Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. On Be Like Peter. And last week, we saw through Peter's life that we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to be ready, perfect, or prepared. We just need to follow. And now we're going to take a look at another snapshot in Peter's life here in Matthew 14. We're going to start reading at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage! It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this story may be familiar to many of us, but as I was rereading this passage, I saw some things that I hadn't really noticed before. Things that I think that we need to learn and we need to apply in our lives. Jesus, in this passage, has just finished feeding 5,000 people. And he's exhausted. The disciples are exhausted. And Jesus recognizes this and he says, okay, you guys get in the boat and you get on over there. I'll meet up with you. I'm going to get rid of the crowd. I'm going to send them home. But I'm going to go pray. But I'll meet you over there. You get going. Have you ever had a house full of people like maybe 10, 15, 20 people, and at the end of it, you're just like, ugh. 5,000. I know it wasn't inside of a house, but still, 5,000 people. They were spent, and Jesus knew it. So he dismisses them. So this would be hmm, 7, 8 o'clock at night, right? And they get in the boat, And then the next time frame we're given is the fourth watch. Now that, for them, would be something that they would just know right offhand, right? And we're like, the fourth watch. 4 a.m., give or take. So they're out 
in their boat, battling waves for eight hours or so. We went on a family camping trip, and we took one of Alicia's older friends with us, and we rented a canoe, got out on the lake, and we're paddling away, and we're having a good time, and all of a sudden, a storm rolls up. And it was furious. I've never paddled so hard in my life. Dwayne was in the back, Alicia's friend, because she had had a lot of training with with canoeing, was paddling hard in the middle, and Alicia was sitting there holding the rails. And when we got to shore, almost two hours later, we all thought that we weren't going to make that. So I can't imagine eight hours of that. Eight hours of that, and the storm is still there, and Jesus comes walking across the water. I'm sorry, sometimes the disciples get a bad rap here. I'm not sure I would have recognized that was Jesus right away either. Right? They're exhausted, they're scared, they're terrified. And all of a sudden, they can see a figure. And what does Jesus say? Take courage! It's me! Don't be afraid! Three things happened at this point. Three things that Peter does. The first thing he does is he asks. He says, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come. I, I know. What he's saying is, I know. If you tell me, I can do this. He's the only one that asks, and he asks. Then the next thing he does is he gets out of the boat. Eleven guys are still sitting in that boat. He's the only one that moves. Yes, he's the only one that asked, but they could have asked after Jesus said that. There's not a peep. Nobody moves. Then the third thing that happens is Jesus, Jesus, Peter walks on water. Why is it we focus on the fact that he sinks? In order to sink, you got to be on it, right? He asks, he steps out of the boat, and he walks on water. There's a movie called Hacksaw Ridge, and it is the true life story of a man called Desmond Doss. I don't know if you've seen it, but in that movie, we see a man who is a firm believer in Jesus, and he believes that Jesus is calling him to join the military, be a medic, but he also firmly believes that Jesus does not want him to kill anybody. So he joins. He joins. He never carries a gun. And he's a medic. He learned what Peter learned. Courage 
comes from trusting Jesus. It doesn't come from people or circumstances. It comes from Jesus alone. And I had to learn it too. We all have to learn this. And Peter did three things, and we need to do them too. The first thing that Peter did was he believed. Jesus said, you can do it, right? But he had to step out of that boat. He had to believe. What is it that Jesus has asked you to do? Has he asked you to start serving somewhere? And that may not be inside these walls. It may be somewhere in the community where he wants his love and light to shine and he wants you to do that. Maybe he's bringing to your attention that there's something that you need to confess. Something that you've done at work or within your family or in a relationship. And it just seems way too hard to do that. It just seems too big. Or as Jesus said, I want you to give this. And maybe it's money or maybe it's something. And it's something pretty big to you. And you're thinking, I can't. I can't do this without that. I can't do it myself. I, I, can't, I can't put my family in that position. Or maybe he's saying to you, I want you to be bolder in your faith. I want you to start telling pretty much everybody you meet. And maybe there's a very specific someone that he wants you to tell about him. And you're like, whoa, no. No, 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 no. I'm not going there. I'm not going to be labeled that crazy fanatic person. I'm not going to get rejected. But what we need to remember here is the same thing that Peter experienced. And that is, Jesus wouldn't ask you to do it if he wasn't going to do it in you. He's not. He didn't say to Peter, yeah, come ahead, and then turn around and walk the other way. He didn't do that. Courage came from believing, trusting. When Jesus tells you to do something, we have to believe it. We have to believe that we can do it through his might, through his strength. Because courage comes from trusting him, not people or circumstances. The second thing that we have to learn from Peter is, be the one, not the 11. Hmm. Peter was the one that stepped out of that boat, right? 11 guys still in that boat. He'd been with those guys for a long time. And I know scripture doesn't say this, but, but come on, imagine with me a little bit here. These guys have been hanging out a while. Do you think they're staying quiet in that boat? Is Peter stepping out? No. They're saying, 
Peter, you're nuts. What do you think you're doing? You crazy dude! Get your bottom back on this bench. And if they're not saying it, Peter knows they're thinking it. Right? So whether it's voices that we hear loud or the voices that we think are there, we can't listen to those. We have to be the one, not the 11. And we have to remember that our courage comes from trusting Jesus, not people, and not circumstances. Desmond knew this. His dad had fought in the First World War, and he came back a wrecked man, an incredibly wrecked man. And he knew the heart of his son, and he knew that he wouldn't carry a gun. And he had watched his buddies die. And he did everything he could to convince his son not to do it. Desmond gets to training camp, and the soldiers in his bunk room find out that he doesn't want to carry a gun. That went over like a lead balloon. He was ridiculed severely by them. Then his commanding officers find out that he's not going to carry a gun. And they start making life incredibly miserable for him. To the point where they even order his fellow soldiers to beat him to a pulp just to get him scared enough to leave. But he didn't move. He didn't leave because he knew that Jesus had called him to do this. And he wasn't leaving. Twenty seventeen, Jesus called me into ministry. And I grew up in a denomination where women were not in leadership and were definitely not to preach. And so when Jesus called me, I could feel everything inside me cringe and wrench, almost to the point where I wanted to puke. And for two weeks, I wrestled it out, and I went here. That's why we got to know it. I went here, and I started looking. And he showed me that that was wrong. I had to take all of those voices, and I had to put them back there and trust Jesus. I don't know what thoughts are going through your head. But maybe you're thinking, I don't have anything to offer. He's asking me to do this, and I don't have anything to offer that group, that organization. Like, what's he thinking? I don't have that. If I tell people what I have done at work, I could lose my job. Or the relationship the relationship with the people when I confess it, it's 
going to be gone. Nothing left. Obliterated. I see it now. If I give that thing, that lump of money or that thing away, it's all going to collapse. All of it. If I start talking to people every day where they are about Jesus, no one's going to want to talk to me again. We have to take these thoughts, and as Paul tells us, we have to capture them and make them obedient to Christ. If he has told us, if he has told us specifically that we are to do something, we can do it. Our courage comes from trusting Jesus, not people, not circumstances. The third thing is, don't let the circumstances distract you. And this is where we get to the point where this is what we normally hear about this story, right? Peter is walking on the water, he's seeing Jesus, and it's all going good. And he gets there, and all of a sudden, what happens? He starts noticing the wind and what the wind is doing. And the waves are huge, and they're coming in at him, and they're coming in at him. And now he's doing this left and right thing, and he's not trusting here. And that's when he begins to sink. Right? He's focused on the circumstances. What's going on around him? In the final part of the movie... Desmond Dawes' group, I never know the right word here, but his gang of, of soldiers, they're on a Japanese beach. And they scale a cliff. And I mean a cliff. It's not like an angled hill. It is a straight up and down cliff. They get to the top of that cliff, and they're sitting ducks. The enemy is thick and fierce. And they're not there very long when they call retreat. And as Desmond starts to go, he feels this tug. No! Jesus called me to be a medic, to be here for these men. I can't leave them. So instead of going back down that cliff with everybody else, he stays. He hides himself in these dugouts, often pulling his dead comrades over himself because he knows and sees that there are still men there that are alive that he needs to help. And he does this without a gun. He has nothing. And the thing he says over and over is, just one more, Jesus. Just give me one more. Now, I don't know the number of men that he let down over that cliff that day. But he did it long, he did it hard, and he never stopped. And at the beginning, when the men start coming down on these gurneys, they're like, what's going on here? Who's doing this? And then they figure out it's Desmond. And they're like, 
what is going on? And he keeps doing it, and he keeps doing it to the point where his hands are raw as he's letting this rope down. And he just keeps saying over and over again, Jesus, just give me one more. Just give me one more. His courage didn't come from the circumstances around him. It came from trusting Jesus. In 2018, not even eight months after God called me into ministry, I was in a car accident and I sustained a pretty significant concussion. One month of literally not leaving my bed. And the journey after that was very slow. And I remember laying in that bed and going, I don't know what you're doing here, Jesus. You called me to this. But I had to choose. I couldn't read the way that I could before. I couldn't look at a screen for long periods of time. Processing thoughts was hard. But I had to trust him. It wasn't about my circumstances. It was about him. It was about what he had called me to do and about him providing the strength and the power. Friday I was ordained. And I say that because it's not a, oh, go, 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 good, Cheryl. No. It is because he made it abundantly clear to me that this was done by my might and my strength and your belief and trust. Nothing more. Nothing more. After I completed my final course, which was at the end of sabbatical last summer, God connected me with people for therapy for my vision and for my hearing. And he has done a miraculous thing and restored many of my deficits. I still have some, but many of them have been restored. And I believe that there was that delay so that I couldn't think for one moment that any of this journey has happened because of me. Not me. Not my strength. But just my courage because I was trusting the one who could get it done. The one who could do it. So if Jesus has told you to go somewhere, to serve somewhere, to do something, he's going to help you. He's going to get it done. And I'll tell you, friend, if you don't go, he's going to choose somebody else because he wants it done. He's asking you to go and confess something that you've done wrong. Do it. I'm not saying it's going to be rainbows, roses, and lollipops. 
But when you're done, there will be peace. And he will walk with you in it. And if the other person or people are willing, he'll restore it. If he's asking you to give something that just seems too big, he's going to take care of you in ways that you never thought were possible. We need to let him do those miracles in our lives. And if he's asking us to be bold, and I don't mean weird bold, I don't mean the guy standing on the corner. But if he's asking you to be bold and to speak into conversations with people every day where you meet, when he presents the space, lean into it. Because they may turn and walk away from you for a moment, but when things get hard, they're going to know where to come because they know your story. They know who it is that you trust and that you don't let anything around you compromise that. So folks, we gotta be like Peter, right? We gotta be like Peter. We have to have courage and know that that courage doesn't come from with us. It comes from Jesus and not from people or circumstances. Ask the worship team to come up and let's just pray. Father God, these lessons are hard. <laughs> and I thank you for Peter. Help us to see him properly. Yeah, he was very rough around the edges. But man, he chased after you so hard. Let us be like him. Let us put our trust squarely in you. Let us be the one, not the eleven. And let us not get distracted. Because we need to believe and know with all of our heart that our courage comes from Jesus, not from people or circumstances. Amen. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down to earth people following Jesus and down to earth ways.